son through Gary. We love you, Father, and we thank you for this time. You're pray. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to attempt to do a couple of different things. Um, every year before we start our new series, I like to start uh, with like a standalone message. And um, I normally talk, if you're around here any length of time, you'll notice that I talk a lot. We talk a lot about community. And uh, back in the summertime, we were doing a Proverbs series, and I had the chance to speak on friendship, which seems like a pretty simple topic, right? And... Uh, and so I did this sermon on friendship, and, and I just thought, I know sometimes, like, in summertime, a lot of you guys are out of town, or you're not even up in the main service and all that. So last week, I asked you, how many of you all heard the Proverbs sermon on friendship, and, like, five, six hands went up? Um, so this is kind of a reboot of that. I'm going to kind of build on that a little bit today here with you. Um, I'm going to talk about Gary a little bit. I'm going to talk about friendship. I'm going to talk about community. And... Um, and, but I want to start off, and this will all kind of fit together. You'll see how it fits together in a moment. But um, uh, every spring, we do a survey in here with the high school students. And I love kind of their feedback and also love just understanding more about them and how they communicate and how they relate. And so I also use this Sunday as a chance to um, recap a few things that we found out about some of y'all um, this past spring when y'all did the survey. And this will all tie into the message, of course, as well. So here's just some fun facts for you. Um, the social media market, here are your three top apps that you guys say you use. These are your answers. So three-fourths of you say you use Instagram. About half use Snapchat. And Facebook is making a comeback, apparently. Because it's been dead for like four years with my students, and now suddenly it, made, it cracked the top three. So I don't know who you are, but you were living on some secret island because... <laughs> Apparently, you guys are using Facebook um, again, so not sure what's up with that. The top three ways you communicate with Overflow are text messaging, personal friend, or Instagram. So, um, by the way, if you want to receive messages from us, I will, I will emphasize, you get like, what, two a week, I think, and just remind us what's coming up with our calendar. You can text, all caps, TBC Overflow to that number there. And you'll get some responses back. You've got to respond back and tell them your name so you know, um, we know who you are. And then also you can find us on Instagram at those ad- that address there, Twitter or Facebook. Anybody use Twitter anymore? You guys using Twitter? Hey. It's, it's okay. Okay, raise your hand if you're one of the 27% using Facebook. Raise it high and proud. Because there's more of y'all than that. Like, y'all are lying, man. Like, someone's holding back. Because there's like five of y'all now. That's not what's still on the survey. So, um... That's how to communicate with us. And then let's talk about cars and jobs. Always interesting. Exactly half of you, 50%, have your license and a car. Exactly half. Only 20% of you have a job, which is down from 30% two years ago. So somebody got fired from their jobs. I don't know who it was. Uh, let's talk about family. So the majority of our students live in the Belton School District at 45%, followed by Temple at 32%, and then Academy is a distant third. And then we have 70% of our students in this room say you grew up in the area. So you've been here for 10-plus years in the area of Central Texas. And then about 35% of you say that you've attended TBC four years or less. 
So that's really, really important. I want, I want my regular TBC people to understand that more than a third of our students in this room have only been here at TBC for like less than four years, okay? So it's a reminder of how important it is for you to reach out to people because everyone didn't grow up here like maybe you did. So it's super, super important. Let's talk about faith in church. About 25% of you are involved in G groups on Sunday nights, which was, we start those up in October. And about 55% of you come on Wednesdays to our community groups. And then about 65% of you are involved in leading or serving in some way, whether leading a G group, um, children's ministry. I love seeing like the, you can stand up, Lexi, and show them your shirt. I love seeing these shirts around the outback, the launch pad shirt. So just so you know, those people are not in a cult. They, um, they serve in our, in our children's ministry here at the church, which is great, great, great. And there's different colors. There's all, I see orange. I see we're, like, branching out. Yes, and there's special needs ministry. There's a ton of those in this room right now, so I'm thankful for that. So our goal, our core values are surrender, community, and mission. And so our goal is for each one of you to move through that, go from surrendering to Christ to community and then on to mission. So part of mission means that you're serving and you're finding ways to serve. And that can be inside the church or outside the church. We want you ser- serving and, and, and being missional in how you live. And then something else really interesting is about one out of seven people in this room would not consider themselves believers. And I love their honesty. So one of the questions we ask on the survey is, do you consider yourself a follower of Christ? just a churchgoer, maybe interested, but still kind of searching. And one out of seven people, this is consistent for the last four years, one out of seven, that's about one person per table in this room, would say that you're, you would not say that you're a Christian. And I love your honesty, number one. And secondly, I love that you're still coming here. I don't want you to ever feel like you can't come in here if you don't yet believe how we believe. So I want to say that to you, but to everyone else that's here, that is a believer, I want to remind you that everyone at your table is not like you. Don't assume because they're in this building that they just believe everything you believe. And so we want to be an open place for people that are having some questions, some doubts before they come to faith in Christ, before they become a follower of Christ. And we want to make sure that everyone else in the room is understanding that this is the kind of place we want to be that's open and hospitable to someone who doesn't quite believe what we say we believe. And so that's really, really important. What first attracted many of you all to overflow, number one is always, number one, friends. And then usually it's like teaching and worship down the list somewhere else. And what always comes in first is friendship. And I've always believed that friendship in this room will always trump what happens on this stage. I really believe that. And our leaders, we can't, make friendship happen. We can't force friendship to happen. We can only create an environment where it's highly likely to happen, which is why we do tables, why we do groups on Wednesdays, on Sunday nights. Um, Our goal is to make an environment where friendship is highly likely to happen, but you've got to take it the rest of the way, and you've got to let it develop. Who would you speak to about difficult things in your life? You guys said your friend first, then maybe your parents and then intern volunteer at the Outback. They actually switched. Last year it was parents were first, and then friends were second. 
um, I think, last year with that same question. And I love that you see your leaders as someone that you would go to. This is what we're trying to create here is an environment where you feel like you have shepherds you can go to and, and can count on to talk to, to pray with, and to share with them whatever you're walking through in your life. What might prevent you from coming to overflow? This is where I get my really sort of funny answers. Um, one person said, what might prevent you from coming to overflow? One person said, becoming an old guy next year, also known as graduation. And then someone else said this. There's always one person that writes something about that. I don't know why that is, but it's kind of morbid, yeah. And then last but not least, this one. I don't know. Maybe that was the same person that wrote the second one. I don't know. But always interesting responses with that question. Another question we ask is, what changes would you make to overflow? And this is, we get some good feedback on these. Last year, many people said more, more events outside of Sundays and Wednesdays. And so we started something called Summer Nights to have, like, some social gatherings throughout the summer. And I would love to keep those kinds of things going throughout the, the school year, maybe once a month or something like that, where we can have some things that are not just Sunday and Wednesday events, but things in your homes, things that can help foster the friendship that we're talking about today. Many other people said things like uh, clicks. We've got to break up all the clicks. And there's always that, those responses, and it's very valid. Um, but again, today is going to be an invitation with you into you helping us do that. Because it's always funny when kids say to me, like, Dave, you've got to break up all the clicks. I'm like, how do you suggest that I go about that exactly? Grenade on the table? Like, what's the... What's the process here? How does that happen? So this is what today is going to be about, is inviting you into this process of understanding friendship, what it really is supposed to be, and how you can cultivate it in a Christ-centered way in your life. So we talk a lot about friendship or community here, but rarely, I think, talk about friendship. So when I looked at the survey last year, when asked what would drive you away, many of you said a lack of friendship. When we said what would draw you here or what drew you here, almost everyone said friendship. I counted over 40 times when, when you had to write in answers what first attracted you here. Many of you said fellowship, community, friendship over 40 times. That's always going to be what draws someone down here more than what happens on the stage. Right? So the quality of friendship in here will determine the quality of this youth ministry. So this whole thing is really in your hands. So what could possibly go wrong? Right? Right? So there's, it's not a secret. Um, I don't believe that friendship and community are the exact same thing. I don't think that the words are interchangeable. Here's why. Because you can be part of a community group on Wednesday or a G group on Sunday, but not be cultivating true friendship. You can attend a group, but not really be cultivating friendship. And so today I want to talk about what, what does it look like to really cultivate that kind of friendship. You may already know this, but loneliness and isolation are at an all-time high. 
And there are some countries taking notice of this. This is a lady. I think I have a slide here. Yes. She is the Minister for Loneliness in the United Kingdom. They have a position in their structure of their government, and she is the Minister for Loneliness. That's her job. I'm not sure what her job description is, but that's what she does. Her her job is to address the epidemic of loneliness in her country. Just imagine that for a moment. Like, they're recognizing the, the great need here. There's another leader in Britain that said that loneliness leads to all kinds of other health issues. More dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes per day leads to anxiety, depression, and dementia. There are physical ramifications from loneliness and living your life that way. I came across this. This is really funny. I came across this a couple weeks ago. There is a Rent a Friend website. It's a real thing. And this, this started in Japan, and it took off worldwide. And you can't read that, so I'm going to read it for you at the very top. But here's their little tagline. It says, rent a friend to attend a social event, wedding, or party with you. Hire someone to introduce you to new people or someone to go to a movie or a restaurant with. Hire a friend to show you around a new town or teach you a new skill or hobby. That's their advertisement. And then there's a list of things you can, they suggest that you do with this rent-a-friend. This is, these are pretty funny too. One says, use rent-a-friend as a wingman. Use rent-a-friend to teach you manners. That's one of the ones. Use rent-a-friend at family functions, which, hang on. If you need rent-a-friend at a family function, your problems are many, right? And then another favorite of mine is workout partner. Like, why don't you just hire a personal trainer? And, like, the awkwardness of, that's just awkward and weird. Another one I love, my favorite one I think on the whole thing is just so random. Where is it at? Let me find it. It's on there somewhere. Hot air balloon. Hot air balloon. When you're feeling random, just hot air balloon. Call us, rent a friend, we'll hook you up, you know? And then last, this is just for you guys, prom dates. Yes. Some of you are like, that is the answer right there, prom dates. Um, so listen, I don't mean to sound crass here, but listen, this is basically, can I say this in church? This is basically friendship prostitution. Right? Right? That's what it is. It is. That's what it is. Now listen. So we know that there is, I mean, loneliness, isolation is kind of an epidemic, and, and this is an example of that. And there's some people here that you would say, well, you know, I'm just not, like, some people's personalities are just more inward, and they would be like, I'm fine with that. I don't really want friends. I don't want the mess of that. And maybe you're naturally just more independent and isolated, but here's the deal. We should all care about friendship. And the reason why is because God is a God of friendship. The Trinity is a eternal friendship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so there is, an etern- there, there is an eternality to this friendship between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he, he makes humans also in need 
of relationship and community. And so it's not a secret why we have this craving for community and friendship. Tim Keller says, the less you want friends, the less like God you are. If you're someone that says, I don't want friends, I don't need friends, then you are not really living out God's plan for you, and you're made in his image. And so he's made you in such a way that you need friendship. You need friendship. I've heard students and I've heard older people say things like, you know, I don't come to church for all the social stuff. I just come to hear the word. Well, the word says that you should care about friendship. And we're going to see that in Proverbs today. So I want to ask this question. What does real friendship look like? The first element or foundation of friendship is affection. Now, I think if you look at the friendship of Jonathan and David in the Bible, you see in that friendship, there is great affection for each other as they, as they talk to each other and as they write. Um, and they, they're, they're deep, deep friends, Jonathan and David in the Old Testament. And I will say many, I think many men today are afraid to tell another guy how much he means to them, right? Because they might, they might think that's creepy, that's kind of weird. Why, why are they talking to me like that? In fact, there's a guy that um, they used to go here, and he was in the military. He was a major in the Army, and he and I became pretty good friends, and he was living here in, at Fort Hood. And we became good friends in a short amount of time. And he moved to the East Coast to go serve at a fort in uh, North Carolina. And uh, I called him recently to kind of update him on some stuff in my own life and just see how he was doing, updated him on Pastor Gary and how he was doing. Because this guy, his name is Brooke. He became really close with Gary's dad, Frank. And so Brooke is like my age, like in his 40s, and yet he really reached out to Frank DeSalvo and became really good friends with Frank DeSalvo, Gary DeSalvo's dad. So he still calls Frank and checks in on him all the time, every few weeks. So I'm updating Brooke on how Gary's doing and stuff like that, and, and we're just sharing our lives on the phone. And then this is a, a major in the army, like a man's man, right? And as we're talking at the end, he's like, man, Dave, he goes, I just really love you, man. I just really love talking to you. And he said, I love you, and I miss you. And I'm sitting there going, most guys don't talk like that, right? Especially not guys like him. And yet the question is, why is it? I would tell you that a man who is truly secure in his masculinity and his identity is someone that can share with another dude, like, man, here's what you mean to me. And that's affection. And that's an okay thing and should be a foundation for friendship. I know for a lot of us guys, the only way for us to show affection in our minds is sarcasm, joking around, messing around, and we never go past that. And there is an affectionate quality to those kind of things, no question about it. But... Does it ever go past that and go beyond that? And so affection is, um, I think, a really important thing in friendship. Secondly, constancy. What's that? Well, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So this means that a friend is someone that stays with you in good times and in bad times. I have seen this play out in numerous ways with what Pastor Gary is going through right now. 
I have seen so many of his friends, his personal friends, come around him, go and travel to England with him as he goes and gets treatment over and over in Europe for a few, a few different times. I've seen friends come around he and his wife and his family and minister to them in numerous ways. And so when this verse says constancy, and we, it points, points us to constancy, and it says a friend loves at all times, this is talking about a friend loving when times are good and when times are bad. Have you noticed that whenever someone is going through suffering, that sometimes people pull away from that person? Have you noticed that? Do you know why that is? Because we don't really know what to say. It's not that we don't care, we don't love them. It's just we feel uncomfortable. And so a true friend is one that is constant, and whatever you're walking through in your life is someone that, when you're going through suffering, they're going to come in closer instead of pulling away because of the awkwardness. And it is true. I mean, when someone's going through some serious suffering, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know what to say. But a true friend is someone that comes in and, and says, you know what, I don't even know what to say, but I'm going to be with this person. I'm just going to be here and sit here with them in the middle of whatever they're walking through. That's a person who is constant. Now, this does not mean that a friend should stay with you no matter what you do to them. Let's be real honest here. If you're someone who is codependent, manipulative, you're a game player, you're a liar, you're a slanderer, and you do that to your friends, then I would tell those friends that they should not be friends with you. We need to kind of get off this like, like spiritual high horse of, wait a second, but Proverbs says you should be constant. Well, you're not being constant by being a bad friend. So if someone is treating you that way, then I would say you go to them and ask them to repent and turn from their sin, but you should not be in a friendship that has manipulation and codependency at its core. That's not what that verse is talking about. You can't play that card on that person and if you're acting that way as a friend to them. So it, it can't be about that. I think many of us, we don't, see, we don't see friendship as a commitment. Now, it's true. Friendship is not the same thing as marriage. I mean, I have a commitment. This ring says it. It's on my finger to my wife. It's a covenant of marriage, okay? So in one sense, nobody should be, like, making these covenants in that way when it comes to friendship, but there is a commitment. When it, it's an understood commitment when it comes to friendship. And that's what this verse, I think, is describing. I think many of us approach friendship in a very consumeristic way. You know, what, what can I get out of this person? You know, I really want to be a part of this crowd at school. And this person is in that crowd. And they might be able to get me in. That's a consumer-driven idea of friendship. Consumer friendship is about external things and what that person does for you. A committed friendship is not about using someone, but about enjoying them and the friendship for what it is. So we need constancy in our friendship, but that does not mean to be overbearing. What I love about Proverbs is that it always shows you the other side of the coin. 
So if you read that verse, the last one we just read, you might think that means um, something else. And so Proverbs 25, 17 is meant to balance you. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. This is why I love the book of Proverbs, because it keeps you on your toes. Because somebody's going to take that last verse that I just read and say, a friend loves at all times, and they think that means a friend loves at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and 3 a.m. And you might say, yeah, but friends are supposed to be constant. And that doesn't mean constantly over at their house, right? There's some people that are they're just overbearing. They're, just, they're not self-aware. They're not wise about how they navigate their friendships. And this person who's just constantly overbearing, doesn't know how to read the room. This person has short-lived friendships. Or they find someone just like them, and they just like, they're like leeches. They just kind of sap everybody, and they just sap each other. Don't even realize it. So it doesn't mean be overbearing. Now, if you have a friend like this, then I would suggest that you have your parents buy you this gift right here. Everyone loves the verse. Like, they put verses on, you know, welcome mats and stuff. And most will have, like, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I want this one right here at my front door right here. That's what I want at my front door, just for certain people, you know, just for certain people. This is called the not welcome mat. And I'll put it out for certain individuals. But nobody in this room, of course. So there's constancy, but you don't want to be overbearing in your friendships. And then thirdly, transparency. Are you someone that's open with other people in what you're walking through? Do you let your friends in? And I know I'm kind of harping on the guys a lot because I think the guys really struggle with this because guys like to just do stuff together. Like we just bond over activities. That's how guys tend to, tend to relate. But are you transparent? Like do you let people in? Do you open up about more than just superficial things? Do you let people see into your struggles, see into your fears, see into your hopes, and see what things you're thinking about for the future? Or do you keep things fairly superficial? So transparency is so important. I think for a lot of us, and, and listen, there's, there's a big... Um, I think swing happening, I think, with our girls, too, because I think girls might be seen as more transparent, but here's what happens. Girls can get the reputation for, oh, don't be a girly girl. And so what that means in their eyes is, well, I should become more like the guys who play it more close to the vest, who just kind of keep an even keel, don't get affected by stuff. And so the girls often struggle as well we just being really transparent and honest with what's going on in their lives, right? Or maybe they see the person who is like super, super transparent, and they just vomit all their stuff on everybody all the time, and you're like, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to say anything, okay? So transparency is one of the foundations of friendship. Are you open with people? I think what happens in friendship sometimes when you first meet someone and they're just an acquaintance and not yet a true friend, you're playing this emotional game of chicken. 
Like, who's going to crack first? Who's going to open up first? Who's going to be vulnerable first? And what you might find is whenever you share and are transparent, they just might be as well. And what's really cool is when you experience that and the friendship grows deeper. And more transparency leads to a deeper friendship. And you really, truly know someone in this way. Proverbs 20, Proverbs twelve twenty five says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. I know many of you deal with anxiety and worry. And when you deal with anxiety, it has a physical manifestation in your life. You feel it. You can feel it in your stomach. I know that many of you do. You cannot sleep at night because of the, the physiological reaction your body has to worry. And you're anxious. And I love this verse because it, it's showing you that, that reaction. It's showing you how when you're anxious, there is something weighing you down. There is something weighing you down on your chest in a, in a literal, physical way. But then there's this friend that comes along to you, and it says, but a good word makes him glad. When you're walking to those kinds of times in your life, and you've got that friend that you can go to, and just share with them what you're walking through, and they can encourage you in some way, that can completely lift the burden in your life. There's a friend of mine that I have in Arizona that I've known for years, and he's a few years older than me, But when I'm walking through some really tough things, I get on the phone, and I will tell you that I can feel the weight lift off of me as we're having the conversation. I can feel the weight lift as we're having the conversation. It is a physical thing, and Proverbs points to this. And this is why God, I think, has put friends in your life to play this role in your life. But you've got to be transparent in order to get there. J.C. Ryle says, The world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It's a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. I love that concept. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. When you're going through difficult things, transparency with a friend will cut sorrow in half. It doesn't eliminate the anguish completely. But when someone else knows and someone else understands, the burden just isn't quite as heavy. You feel like you've you've offloaded just a little bit of the burden, and not that you're you're imposing it on them, but they're they're sharing it with you. And there's something profound about that, something godly about that. On the flip side of that, there, when there's something joyful that happens to you, Paul says a statement, rejoice with those who rejoice. And there's this idea in the New Testament, in Romans, where we're supposed to see each other as connected. And if something happens to someone else in the body of Christ... It's like it's happening to me. 
And I can be just as joyful as they are because it's happening to all of us. It's happening to the body of Christ. Not just to them, but it's happening to all of us. Because we share in that because of our connection through Christ. So this is why whenever most of you don't ever do fun things alone. Have you noticed that? Most of you don't, well, maybe some of you do, but most of you don't go to movies by yourself, to the theater. At home you'll watch some, of course, but to the theater. If you're doing experience, things that are fun experientially, you want people to come along with you and share in the joy with you because it completes, it doubles the joy, right? It, it increases the joy of whatever you're doing. If you think back on your best memories, I would bet they're more about a who than a what. And so the the fourth foundation of friendship is empathy. This is the ability to feel what someone else feels and to see what someone else sees. This is the person that can walk into a room and they can sense the emotion sort of of the room and they can adjust to it and adapt to it. Proverbs 25, 20 says, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. What does that mean? Some proverbs are like, here's what you're supposed to do. And then some are like, here's what you're not supposed. This is a what you're not supposed to do proverb. What it's saying is if someone's going through some really, really tough things, Okay, they're really going through some suffering. You don't bust out, like, your favorite song on your phone and go like, well, hey, cheer up. Here's a song for you. Like, you don't, that, that's not the moment to do that. That's inappropriate at the moment. Do you guys know what happens when you mix a vinegar and soda? What happens? It explodes. Anybody make the volcano as a kid? You put the vinegar and soda in there. It's like the lamest science project ever but every kid does it. Vinegar and soda don't mix well. They explode. So this person, who's not self-aware, doesn't understand emotion. They're not empathetic. This person walks into a room when someone else is suffering, and their words just don't really mix well with the situation. They just don't get it. And so like vinegar and soda, they just don't mix well. And so this person's words, their very presence, rarely mixes well with the situation because they just don't understand empathy and how to be with someone in an emotional, difficult moment. It also says this person is like someone who takes off a garment on a cold day. Now just use your imagination for a second. Pretend like it gets cold in Texas sometimes, all right? And imagine if, it is cold in this room most of the time, I do know that, all the girls are like, I'm freezing. Bring a jacket, ladies, you should know by now. So if, if you're sitting in this room and you're freezing like you normally are, and somebody walks up and just yanks the jacket off of you, that would be annoying, right? That would be this person doesn't understand the moment, right? This is what kind of stuff this person does. They don't, they don't understand the moment. They don't mix well with the moment and the situation. And then Proverbs 26, 18, 19 says, 
like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. So dramatic. Is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. So have you ever had a friend that deceived you or a friend that really hurt you? And you react to that, and they're like, what's your problem? I'm just joking, right? But look at what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, if someone gets hurt by something you say or do, it's not joking, it's called sin. You've sinned against that person now. And look at how dramatic this this verse is. Look at this, this is really interesting. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death. So somebody, imagine if some dude took an arrow and like jammed it into your chest. And you're sitting here bleeding out, and he's just like, just kidding. Just messing with you. And you're like, you got a hole in your chest. Like, that's the image being used here. Like, you, you just injured this person, and you're saying, you can't say that you're joking when they're injured and they're bleeding. And the same goes emotionally. If someone is hurtful and spiteful and mean and angry, they can't play the joking card because that's not joking. That's actually sinful. That's not empathy. This person's going to struggle to have real friends. So those are the four foundations of friendship. And listen, friendship is hard. Friendship is so difficult. I know it seems like it's the easy relationship. Like you got, everyone knows marriage is hard. Everyone knows parenting is hard. And if y'all don't know that, parenting is really hard. Y'all should know that by now. It's really hard. But friendship should be easy, right? Like friendship should be the easy thing. But it's not. If, if you've heard these different principles and you think, and you're not convicted or you think that, man, I don't, I don't feel like I do friendship all that well. This is how I felt studying this. I don't feel like I do friendship all that well. And we don't. And we don't have great friends because we aren't great friends. And so I want to ask this question. Where do we get the resources for real friendship? C.S. Lewis once wrote, Friendship arises when two or more discover that they have in common some insider interest. That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we would want something else besides friends. Friendship must be about something. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. The big idea here is this, that that real friendship is discovered not forced. The way friendship takes place is you realize you have something in common with someone else, whatever that thing might be, and, and now you're kind of going in the same direction. And friendship is never about just getting friends. If your mission is to get friends, you're never going to make friends. You've got to be living on a mission, living on some journey, going somewhere with your life, and eventually you're going to find fellow travelers, people to travel with. This is why I think in the church, we have a really good shot at making real friendship happen based on what Jesus said in John 15, 15, where he says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. 
For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. This is where friendship begins at the gospel. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, upper room, before he goes to his crucifixion. And he says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. And listen, I know it can sound cliche to say something like, you know, Jesus is our truest friend. But the reason why that sounds goofy or cliche is because we have gutted the word of its meaning. Jesus is the one who uses the word. He's the one who calls his disciples friends. So if we need a resource for true friendship, we look no further than Jesus himself and the gospel itself because Jesus, the eternal, all-powerful creator, he sits with his disciples and he calls them friends. I heard someone say that the cross is a cosmic act of friendship. So the greatest resource for friendship is the gospel itself. And I think once, once you and I understand that, we will understand that Christian friendship is simply extending the fellowship of Christ to someone else. You've got this fellowship with Christ, this friendship with Christ, and you simply extend that to somebody else. That's what friendship is. We have to understand it as that. So this mission is what should be at the center of this thing called friendship. So we pursue Christ, his kingdom, his mission. And pretty soon you're going to find people running along next to you, and now you get to run together. You run alongside them. A guy named Hugh Black says, We have few friendships because we are not willing to pay the price of friendship. The secret of friendship is just the secret of all spiritual blessing. The way to get is to give. Someone else says, As we do all this... We give our friends grace. We, if, if we need our friends to be perfect friends, we'll become terrible friends. The best advice for cultivating friendship is not to find a better friend, but to become one. You guys have some discussion questions at your tables. Go ahead and have your discussion for a few minutes here at the end. <laughs>